is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Get you ready for a long Memorial Day weekend. Now, usually Memorial Day weekend means the start of the Stanley Cup Final, and we are a long way from that. So we didn't have it last Memorial Day because of the pandemic, and the pandemic has delayed things, but we still aren't even through the first round of the playoffs that we're going to hit Memorial Day because we still have two series to figure out. Of course, tonight, Game 7, Vegas and Minnesota, and I'm really shocked we're here. I, I really am. I, I Anybody that listens to this podcast knows I had Vegas as the cup winner, and that could still happen. Teams have gone seven games and still have won the cup, but from a confidence standpoint, you can't be too thrilled with what Vegas has done against Minnesota. I don't want to take anything away from the Wild. The Wild have played great. And they deserve a lot of credit for forcing this Game 7, doing what they had to do. And I've always been a Cam Talbot fan. Of course, covered him when he was a Ranger. You know, people forget that when the Rangers won the President's Trophy in 14-15, he was a major part of that. That's when Hank got hurt. And Cam had to play like 20 games and played tremendous. And he deserves a lot of credit for how good that Ranger team was. And he's had some mild success in the National Hockey League other places. But he's been a major reason why the Minnesota Wilds still have breath going into tonight's game. 9 o'clock Eastern time, NBC Sportsnet, Game 7, always great. You know, it's amazing. As tight as this first round has been, this is the only Game 7. We have a potential one with Toronto-Montreal. We'll see if the Canadians could force a Game 7 tomorrow with a win. You know, But right now, this may be the only Game 7 that we have, and, and it's just been a terrific, terrific series. But I've lost confidence because I thought they figured out the offense, right? And that has not been the case after getting shut out in Game 6 when they had a chance to finish off Minnesota. So kudos to what the Wild have done. But I think a lot of it has to kind of fall on the lap of what hasn't been done by the Vegas Golden Knights and just how disappointing they have been trying to find that consistent offense. And, you know, my confidence is shaken even more by the fact that now we've got to look at Vegas, even if they win the game tonight and advance to take on Colorado, how do you feel about them against the Avalanche? Because... Minnesota's a good, solid defensive team. Dean, uh, Dean Everson has done a great job of getting the team where they are this year, and they weren't that far behind Vegas and Colorado in the West during the regular season. But they are not the offensive juggernaut that the Avalanche are. And so, you know, Vegas can shut it down defensively. Flurry is going to have to play on top of his game because the Avalanche are going to get theirs. And if you're going to struggle offensively and inconsistently the way the Vegas Golden Knights have, you know, we're just waiting for Max Pacioretty, and who knows when that's ever going to happen. And even if he does come back, does it solve all of their problems? No offense to Max, but he's not like a 40-50 goal scorer that we're waiting on here, although he was pretty consistent all year. Are they going to have the ability to match with the Avalanche, a rested Avalanche team are going to be able to bring to the table? Now, they'll have no cadre for at least the start of the series, And that's going to be a bit of a problem, certainly, for the Avalanche. And um, they lose their second-line center, and you've seen how that affected Toronto with Tavares being out of the lineup. But, boy, Vegas has you worried. Even with a victory tonight, you just kind of wonder how you feel about that matchup against Colorado. Now, last night, some tremendous hockey, a couple of overtimes. That's one thing the NHL is not disappointed with, and that's been the overtimes. And Toronto... They came back from 3-1 down. I'm a little surprised that they're still struggling against Montreal. I really thought that they would finish off the Canadians last night. Didn't do it. They did come back because they just have so much firepower. How can you not come back? But 
Here's the problem with Toronto that has been a problem with this team forever, and it doesn't seem to matter who the coach is, is that I understand you're a great offensive team, all right, even though we haven't seen a lot from Marner and Matthews in this series. I know you're a tremendous offensive team, but you, you just can't do what Golchenyuk did last night. You can't give up a 2-on-0 in overtime. You can't make a blind pass from the point and just think that it's the Harlem Globetrotters and it's just anything you do is going to result in an offensive opportunity. There has to be some defensive responsibility. There has to be some zone responsibility. You just can't throw it out of there like that and create a 2-on-0 and it results, of course, into the game-winning goal. And why wouldn't it on a 2-on-0? I don't care who the goaltender is. If you don't score on a 2-on-0, that's on you. That's your fault. And it was a great combination between Caulfield, who got the steal, and Suzuki, who finished it off. And now, instead of getting ready for Winnipeg, now you got to play in Montreal tomorrow. And for the first time in Canada since the pandemic, there will be fans in the building. They are allowing 2,500 fans in Montreal. Don't know how much of an impact in a building that holds 20,000 to have just a shade over 2,000, but it's still going to be something. And now if you're Toronto, you find yourself having to play on the road to eliminate the Canadians. And then if you don't do that, then you're talking about having to play on Mon- uh, uh, a possibility of having to play on Monday for a Game 7 where anything can happen. I mean, so there has to be some responsibility there. I think Toronto will be okay. But now you've got a more rested Winnipeg team that's got, like, uh, Ehlers is not at 100%, but now maybe by the time that series starts. So if there is, we have the Game 6, which means we're going to have the start of the second round and still a game in the first round. The NBA's done this a couple of times, but the NHL's been forced to do this because of the delay up in Canada. So tomorrow, the Leafs and Canadians will play up in Montreal for a 7.30 start, and then the 8 o'clock start between the Islanders and the Bruins, game number one. So there will be a little bit of an overlap. The other game, give the Nashville Predators credit. I mean, I re- they played well down the stretch, but I thought that I really thought that Colorado was going to take care of business early. I said that they'd sweep them. I know that's disrespectful. But even Nashville, you know, winning those double overtime games at home, and then last night protecting a lead late. And it looked like they were going to be able to force that Game 7 and put all of the pressure, certainly uh, on Colorado, uh, excuse me, on Carolina to be able to win that Game 7 at home. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. But the big play, and it came with about six minutes left in the game, protecting the 3-2 lead, Slavin with that great feed to Hamilton to tie the game up at three, and then they would play out the rest of regulation and go into overtime. And Slavin and EJ brought this up earlier in the week. They've won the two games since Slavin has come back. He is, the, I think, you know, one of their best defensemen. And the combined with Hamilton there was just a, a thing of beauty. It really was. And it silences the Nashville crowd. You knew they were going to have trouble holding on to the lead anyway because that's how good Carolina is. And then you get the overtime and you're strapping yourself in for a long one, right? Well, it didn't take long. A minute and six seconds. A great tip from Ajo. And who had the feed? Who took the shot from the point? Slavin. So... This is a Carolina team that maybe you can look at and say if Slavin had been healthy the entire series, maybe they would not have gone six. 
But the fact is that Carolina survives, and now that should just be an epic matchup to come out of the Central. Tampa, the defending Stanley Cup champions. Colorado, who has played great all year, won that division, home ice advantage. That should be epic. And I got to tell you this, I had Tampa coming out, so uh, I'm going to stick with that pick. But but here's the thing. Looking at the w- way things have gone in these playoffs, Tampa's got to tighten it up. All right, Florida really took advantage of a lot of things, just didn't get the goaltending, but they certainly were able to score. They certainly were able to expose some things. Tampa's got to tighten it up. You know they can, but they've got to tighten it up against what I think is maybe a little bit more consistent and a little bit more seasoned Carolina team that certainly is going to give them better goaltending than Florida gave them. So I think Tampa's in for a real treat here. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. The buildings are going to be rocking. Certainly Carolina's proven that. I think Tampa's got their hands full against the Hurricanes team that is just continuing to prove people wrong year after year, series after series, game after game. Boy, am I really looking forward to that series to get going. So congratulations to the Hurricanes, but also congratulations to Nashville. They put up a tremendous fight, but they lose O.C. early um, in that game. That certainly affected them to not have one of their best uh, offensive defensemen and really their leader of the team. So O.C. not being in certainly hurt, but give Carolina credit. They get the win for 3 They go on to take on Tampa. So we know that matchup. And as I mentioned, the second round starts tomorrow with a matchup that we know coming out of the East, the Islanders and the Boston Bruins. And I have the Islanders coming out of the East as well. But again, you you look at things in these playoffs, and, and I think Boston, other than Colorado, has been the most impressive team here in the playoffs. And one thing I will say, I think the Islanders can win this series. They're going to have to play better than they played against Pittsburgh. Sorokin saved their bacon for sure, and Tristan Jari was a major assist in the wins that uh, the Islanders got in that series. And now you're going up against a team that is a little top-heavy. They really rely on that top line of Pasternak, uh, Marchand, and Bergeron. Uh, but it's worked for them. It worked for them in the regular season. It certainly worked for them in the playoffs in that first round against Washington when they disposed of, of a, a hurt capital team in five games. But the big difference is Tuka Rask. Rask is a big-time money goaltender. Okay, He has not won a cup, but he's come close Okay, and superior to what Pittsburgh was throwing out there. So you're going to face a goaltender that is going to be way tougher than Jari, Okay, that doesn't have the weakness that Jari has, and you're going to go up against a team that I think up and down will be a little bit better offensively because they're healthy. And you get that team going, and they could be a force. And Pasternak certainly woke up in that series against Washington. I think the Islanders are going to have their hands full. I would think Sorokin's going to be the guy. And we will see what this series could be. I think it's going to be epic as well. Carolina and Tampa, Islanders and Bruins, both just are earmarked to have just long six, seven-game series. I think both of those series are going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be hard, and they're going to be fun fun watches i really cannot uh, wait for that series so those two are done colorado waits for vegas and minnesota tonight and now we'll see what happens in the north with the canadians as winnipeg sits there and waits after disposing of the edmonton oilers in four straight they will wait get healthy rest up and see what Montreal can do and possibly force a Game 7 against Toronto. It was cool to see John Tavares at the game last night rooting his Leafs on. 
Um, give credit to Montreal. They've got the goaltender in Carey Price. Armia really woke up with a couple of goals uh, in the game last night. That's certainly going to help. Montreal getting a little bit healthier, very pesky. I can't see them winning three straight. Yeah, I could see them winning tomorrow because of maybe getting a little emotion from the 2,500 fans of the Bell Center. I don't think they're going to be able to win the three in a row in advance, so I think it'll be Toronto and Winnipeg. Uh, but either way, even if Montreal were to make a run and get there, I think that would be fun against Winnipeg as well. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. But we're getting closer and closer to finally having some resolution on this first round of the playoffs, and I think it's going to be absolutely tremendous, and I'm looking forward to it. So let's close out the week here with your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So let's jump right in with Tony, who asks, as the Leafs fan trying not to let the past haunt my thoughts for game six, however, with the lack of scoring from Matthews and Marner, could the Canadians push this thing to seven without much issue? Well, listen, I could I could see Montreal winning. I think Toronto's the better team, but you bring up a great point, Tony. You know, the ghosts of the past. This is a team that has not gotten out of the first round since, what, 2002? You know, and they certainly haven't won a cup since '67. And but none of the players that are on the team are really involved in any of their past um, that deep. Uh, but you know, they couldn't get past Boston all those years, right? And now they've got another opponent, Montreal. And why are they letting this team hang around? And you let a team hang around, especially a pesky team like Montreal, especially with a really good goaltender like Carey Price. Uh, with really no pressure on them because I don't think really anybody thought Montreal was going to win this series. And then getting a few people in the stands on Saturday, yeah, there could be a Game 7. And you're telling me you're not going to be squeezing your sticks tight almost into sawdust in Game 7, knowing that you might blow a 3-1 series lead and again get bounced in the first round? So there are certainly ghosts. And, you know, you lost your uh, second-line center which is certainly going to affect you, I would think. And, and you don't have a goaltender with a ton of experience the way Carey Price does. I mean, I've, I've been critical of Carey Price not winning a Stanley Cup, not going to a Stanley Cup final and what may end up being a Hall of Fame career, but he's won playoff series. He went to a conference final in 2014. He's been there. He's done that. He won a championship in the AHL. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a deadly combination, so the pressure just continues to mount. Give up the first goal on Saturday, and it's going to mount even more. And then if you get a Game 7, whew, scary stuff. So I, I think they'll be okay, Tony. But the fact that they're still not finished off with Montreal yet, and this team still has a pulse, it could be scary. Yankee and Penguin says, Hi, Don, do you think Nashville's window is closed at this point? You know, they're going to go back to the old division again. Let's not forget, they were really in a tough division because clearly Tampa, Florida, Carolina, much better. So that was a really difficult division to be in, having to fight with a with a spunky Chicago Blackhawk team and the Detroit, uh, the Dallas Stars team, you know, early in the season. That was a tough, tough division for them to be in. They'll go back to the old division play again. Um, uh, listen, it closed, I don't think they're winning a Stanley Cup anytime soon. Uh, certainly they've moved on from Pecorine, it looks like. Soros was, I thought, a tremendous player in that series, and I, there deserves a lot of uh, credit for forcing that Game 6 and almost forcing a uh, Game 7. But when you look at where they were in 2017, playing six games with Pittsburgh, trying to compete for a Stanley Cup, yeah, it, it's starting to look like that uh, the window is closing. They were way behind the top three teams in that division so I don't know if they're going to start selling off pieces or breaking it up, but it does feel like that run is kind of coming to an end. 
Uh, Jake says, what are you the most intrigued about in the upcoming series between the Bruins and the Islanders? I'm intrigued with Matt Barzell. He's got 14 points in 17 career games against the Bruins. Uh, I think he needs to be better in this series than he was against the Pittsburgh Penguins, so that certainly intrigues me as well. Also, what intrigues me is, and, and Dave Maloney brought this up in games that I called with the Rangers and the Bruins during the course of the year, how much of a loss will Zdeno Chara be to this Boston team, just from a physicality standpoint, from a support standpoint, because they're very young on the blue line. Remember, they lost Krug. They've lost um, Zdeno Chara. They put a lot on Carlo, a lot on McAvoy. Um, those are good offensive players, but is there that physical presence? If the Islanders really want to force the issue and push, you know, will the loss of Zdeno Chara, that stabilizing physical factor, be that missing piece for Boston in these playoffs? It certainly was not a factor against Zdeno Chara and the Washington Capitals in the first round, but the Islanders might be able to push back just a little bit, and will the Bruins be able to push back like the Bruins of old when they had the Krugs and the Charas? So that kind of intrigues me there. Will Barzell get things going, and, and can, will that physical presence really help the Islanders uh, with an edge they'll have over the Bruins that maybe you didn't have over the last few years. Uh, Richard says, hey, Don, would you expect the Kraken to be um, weaker than the Golden Knights were in their first year because now the rest of the league has learned what to do and not do in the expansion draft? Well, it's that's part of it, but the expansion draft really hadn't changed. So I, I, I suspect that the Kraken will be better than past expansion teams but I don't know if they'll be at the level of Vegas because the one thing that I will will say about Vegas that I that really irritated me during that run to the cup final in their first year is that a lot of respect for them was taken away by the fact that everybody pointed to the NHL and their expansion rules as the sole reason why Vegas made that run and that is just so unfair because I think George McPhee uh, did a tremendous job of just knowing the right players to go out and get and just knowing what players were about to pop. Like He he just kind of knew that Carlson was on the verge, that Marcia Show was on the verge of something special, uh, believing that Marc-Andre Fleury had something left when Pittsburgh didn't think so. Give credit to George McPhee. Give credit to Gerard Gallant, the coaching job he did there in Vegas when they first started. So, yeah. The expansion rules were different than they were in the past, and that probably helped them become a playoff team. But boy, that's being disrespectful to George McPhee, to Gerard Gallant, and those players that really came together and made the run that they made. And they backed it up. They really have. They've gone to the playoffs every single year since then. Now, they haven't won the Cup, but they've they've made some tweaks. They've made some moves. They've got a new GM, GM now, new head coach, and yet Vegas still continues to march on. So... Um, I don't think Seattle will be at that level. We'll have to see. I, I have a lot of respect for Ron Francis, and I think he'll push the right buttons there. But to expect that kind of level, I think, would be unfair. But I do think that there are some advantages in the expansion now where I think Seattle will be quicker to compete, um, but maybe just not on the level of that team. And you're kind of stuck. You're, you're, you know, I don't think it was the case of the other NHL teams having their pants down with who they left uh, unprotected. It's just that, hey, you got to leave somebody unprotected, right? And that's going to be the same situation for a lot of these teams going to the expansion draft uh, coming up in a couple of months. Robbie says, what's a reasonable trade proposal from the Rangers for Eichel? 
Is there something less expensive on the market but could have a big impact in the lineup? Great question. Listen, Eichel's going to be really expensive, He's and you're going to have to give up a lot of, of, of your blue line. I wouldn't give up Miller. I'm certainly not touching Fox. But can be some of the guys that they have that we've seen a little bit of? Uh, will a Lundquist be somebody? Will a Reunion be somebody? Would um, uh, Zach Jones be somebody? I mean, I would think that Buffalo is going to want to get a lot back in return and also, you know, a lot of uh, draft capital as well. I just don't. There's a lot around Eichel. At least he's a phenomenal player, and I think a change of scenery is going to be great for him. Get out of Buffalo, go to a team like the Rangers. I think he would do a tremendous job here. But with Zabanajad finding himself in the second half of the season with Panarin, listen, you can always use a center, but you'd have to give up Heedle, I would think. Uh, a couple of the stud defensemen, a first-round pick, you'd have to give up a lot. Now, are there other centers out there? I'd have to really take a look at the board to see who could be available, who you could trade for. But ask yourself this question. If the Rangers toughen up just a little bit, do they have enough offensively? And I think they do. I think if Zabanajad play the way he did in the second half of the season all year, they make the playoffs. If Panarin didn't have to disappear for 10 days or 10 games or however many it was when he had the leave of absence, I think they make the playoffs. So I'm not sure you need to make a splash like Eichel, but I have a lot of confidence in Chris Drury. He'll find something. And you also hope that if you end up keeping Heedle, will Heedle take the next step? You know, People forget he missed 14 games during the course of the year as well. So um, I, I think there's a lot they can get into, but Eichel is going to be expensive. Eichel is going to be expensive, not just with the what you're going to have to give up to Buffalo, but also how much you're going to have to pay him. I'm not sure I would go that route. I'm, I'm sure I can look and see who could possibly be available at that position because centers are difficult to come by, right? But you'd like to see if you can mature them. doesn't look like Howden's going to be anything more than a fourth-line center, but you have Heedle, you have Zibanejad, you've got you've got some really good players that I think – can get to that point. And let's not not forget that you've got guys like Lafayette and Kako all around, you know, wingers, that guys that can win face-offs and help out in the center position as they get older um, can also be um, an answer to that question as well. All right, so we got a big weekend. So the we got a game seven tonight. We've got the first round and the second round combination tomorrow. Uh, just getting the lay of land of the uh, schedule. So the game seven tonight from Vegas, Golden Knights, taking on the Minnesota Wild. Then you've got the Islanders-Bruins game one on NBC at 8 o'clock, then NBC Sportsnet at 7.30, Leafs and the Hurricanes. I know they want to try to get as much prime time up in Canada as possible. I wish they had more than a 30-minute separation, maybe make that Canadians-Leafs game a 7 o'clock start, but what are you going to do? And then we're just going to have to wait and see from there. Right now we don't have anything else uh, to get into, but we will have games. We will officially be in the second round by the time we come back. Now, Monday is Memorial Day. Enjoy your barbecues. Have some fun. Enjoy the hockey. And we'll come back and recap everything on Tuesday. So we'll be back after the holiday on Tuesday to recap the weekend and give you a significant preview of the second round. And uh, if you want to talk to me and you're jonesing for hockey or jonesing for LaGreca, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct's the way to do that. It'll be all over social media during the course of the weekend. So uh, have fun. If your team is alive, good on you. If you're not, then just enjoy everybody else playing and dream about your team one day being in this situation. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.